0: Now, in this chapter, we're gonna learn about two groups of people. One we're gonna focus on this morning. Uh, The one group for this morning uh, believes or knows, and this is key, remember, words matter. They know about Jesus Christ. The second group, which we'll learn about next week, uh, tries to use Jesus to advance their own work. This first group, though, is humble enough to receive further instruction. And they actually learned what it meant to be in Christ. Not just know about Christ, but what it means to be in Christ. But the second was a group of people that was humbled by an evil spirit that literally pounced on them. So keep that in mind. You can read ahead and see what all that was about Because what happened to them caused the people to fear God, believe God, and abandon their wicked practices. Something that would be good for us to do as a people. To fear God. To know Him personally. Listen, to know about someone doesn't really involve commitment. Doesn't involve devotion. Nor does it require any personal sacrifice. But to be involved in a relationship with someone does involve commitment, devotion, and sacrifice. A personal denial. And if you don't believe that, ask anyone who's married. To use someone for personal gain at their expense usually ends in a bad way. Especially when we try and use God. Listen, people are not Christians simply because they say they are Christians. You know, just by declaration, I'm, I'm a Christian, that doesn't make you a Christian. That doesn't make anyone a Christian. Never has, never will. Or perhaps because they learned the Christian lingo. But what people are genuinely is what they will exhibit in their lives and really, over time, really prove who they are. James 2.18 and 19 says, <clears throat> But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. And listen to this, because a lot of people say, if you ask them, they'll say, I believe in God, right? I believe in God. I, yeah, yeah I, I, I believe in Jesus. But it's very flippant, right? It's very light. There's no evidence of that in their lives. We're going to talk about that. Because it says this in James, and this again is the word of God. It's not my opinion. He says it here in God. This is God's inspired word. It's here for a reason. It's for you and I to consider this and know that it's truth. Because James writes, even the demons believe and shudder. That's not a salvific faith. That is just a a belief in in knowledge, I I understand. And they they know that God exists more than you and I. They know that Jesus exists more than you and I. They know that for a fact. But it's not a surrender. This is very important to understand because, let me ask you this, what good is it to be a faux Christian? I've never understood that. You're either all in or you're all out. But please, I mean, why sit on the fence? Why come and play the Christian? Why would you do that? Like, okay, you're gonna forsake everything to do what? To just be a better person, but you're not saved, right? To just appear good, but not know the benefits of God's grace. Why would you do that? For me, maybe it's just the way I, I think. And some of you know how I think. <laughs> it's just either either all in or all out. There's, there's just really no in between. I remember years ago, for me, you know, I remember, and unfortunately I remember this, I remember my company commander in the Navy, we call them company commanders, in the Marine Corps and I think Army, you call them drill sergeants. But I remember him telling me one thing if you're going to get in trouble, make sure it was worth it. Right? It's like, huh. You know, unfortunately, I thought about that. And I understood what he said. If you're going to do something, do it all the way. Right? Christianity, there's no halfway. If there's any fence sitters, you know who owns the fence? not God, Satan does, because that's compromise. It's either all in or all out. Let me tell, tell it to you this way. Jesus said, uh, you're either for me or against me, right? There's nothing in between. So what is the benefit of looking like a Christian but not be genuine? There's no benefit whatsoever. 2 Timothy 3.5 says, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And Paul gave... This to Timothy, avoid such people. Bad company corrupts good morals, right? I hope I can be open with you. I hope you expect the truth. There's no point or benefit in acting like a Christian. You must be one for Christianity to be of any value to you and others. See, the Bible speaks of spiritual fruit that will manifest itself in the lives of those who live their lives in the Spirit, according to the truth of God's Word. John Down, Galatians 5, and 23. That's evidence of a person who's in Christ, exhibiting fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said that, this is conditional, "'If you love, me, if you love him,' he said, "'If you love me, then you will obey my commandments.'" You will obey his commandments. John 14, 15. Right? So the only way we we obey his commandments is if we know his commandments, right? If we desire to obey his commandments, that's that's what matters. This morning we will learn why it's worth having a real and personal relationship with Jesus and how to have it. How to know a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Acts 20. Verse 32 says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You know, something very important that Paul did, and this was, by the way, Paul's words to the Ephesian leaders, you know, church in Ephesus, you know, it's very important for us to be commended to God and to the word of his grace. Not to anything else, not to opinions, not to traditions, not to anything else if it's contrary to the Word of God, but to the very Word of God. And so the Word is spoken and Jesus is known. Remember, where the Word is known, Jesus prevails. Jesus increases and prevails mightily when you know the Spirit of God, the fear of God, and the salvation of God according to the Word of God. For we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So, the one thing that we're going to really focus in on is knowing the Spirit of God this morning. Of course, by knowing the Spirit of God, by knowing it personally, receiving it, possessing the Spirit of God, we will know the salvation of God that is offered to us through Jesus Christ. So again, verse 1, it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. We know that according to verse 7, there were 12 disciples. And this is what he said to them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? A very important question. Something that we ought to consider and contemplate ourselves, really meditate on. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now Paul had passed through the upper regions of Asia, and he he at this point has arrived in Ephesus. The last time that Paul was in Ephesus uh, was when he stopped by on his way back to Jerusalem on his second missionary trip, and that was back in Acts chapter eighteen, verses nineteen through twenty-one. He didn't stay there very long the first time; he stayed there for a short, short period of time. But what who he left back there? If you remember, uh, the the couple that he brought from Corinth, and he and he brought. Um, to Ephesus and left them there, Aquila and Priscilla. He left them there. And so Paul, having spent a lot of time with Priscilla and Aquila, no doubt they poured into the people there and they knew the way of God accurately. Remember that it was Priscilla and Aquila that had actually taught Apollos the way of God more perfectly and more detail better is the way it's described So this time, Paul arrives, and he finds uh, these 12 disciples. Uh, More than likely, they are not the ones that Paul had known and not the ones that Priscilla and Aquila had poured into because they didn't have full knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it is believed that these 12 disciples were believers. I know there's, there's some debate as to whether they were believers or not. Well, it says here that And it's it's even in the question that the Apostle Paul asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, right? But they just didn't know the gospel fully. They only knew it in part uh, for several reasons. And Paul noted that something something was missing. Something was like off here. And so he asked that question. Believe that this was the reason why the Apostle Paul asked. He hadn't asked anyone else. Hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So it wasn't a question of whether they believed or did not believe in Jesus Christ, but whether they had understood what it meant to follow Jesus Christ and therefore know his salvation personally. Do you know what it means to walk according to the Spirit? Do you know what it truly means to follow, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Again, going back to the term Christianity. Uh, Christianity should be defined in us as Christ followers. Ones who imitate Christ. Ones who bless and honor Christ. um, Who demonstrate our love for Jesus by obeying his commandments. He wanted to make sure that they knew what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. And as we know that, we know it's not only salvation, but we know the abundant life. Jesus, after all, came to give us that life and life more abundantly, right? We're talking about the here and now. Oh, there's a hope that awaits us. Oh, until that day, let us be about our Father's business. Who is our Father, it should be reflected by the way we live. They knew what it looked like to follow rabbis, these 12 disciples. They knew that. Uh, this is a, a person or a teacher. But, they, but did they know what it looked like to follow Jesus Christ and what it meant to be in him? Deny self, crucify the flesh, and reflect Christ. Follow Christ. Right? That's what Jesus said. If you desire to follow me, this is what you need to do. Um, You know, as you had said, Tim, sanctification is our responsibility. And it should be a response to the love that we have come to know in Jesus Christ. Uh, Knowing that grace, knowing salvation, knowing that we've been forgiven of all of our sins, knowing that we've been given the hope of heaven, right? And so for us, what do we do? How do we begin to follow Jesus Christ and really prove that we are his disciples, do the first thing, deny yourself. Why is that? Because the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it in our thoughts? Oh man, they can run away with, uh, with, you know, from us and, and, and really wreak havoc on our lives if we follow our, our thoughts. If they, We don't make sure that we submit them to the lordship, the governance of the word of God, right? So don't follow your heart. Don't always follow your thoughts if they're not in line with God's word. So the first thing is deny yourself. This is something consciously that we do. Denying yourself. And then don't try and restore the flesh. Just crucify it. There's there's no good that comes from the flesh. Nothing at all. The flesh is opposed to God. The flesh is opposed to the spirit. Look in Galatians 5. Just prior to the fruit of the Spirit, you'll see that to be true. And you know it in your own life. So deny self, crucify the flesh, and then follow Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You can't give anything in, re- in return for your soul. You can't gain anything. And if you gain, you go after the world. Uh, well, you'll reap a world one, but that's nothing. How, have any of you grasped there? No, you can, you can try. But it's just not there. It's like having, going after the world. It's something that you cannot take with you. Once you die, this all stays behind. But if you forfeit your life to the Lord, oh, you gain everything. You gain forgiveness, eternal life, God's grace. You will know it. You will know a hope that no one can take away from you. All of that. Hmm. You'll be a, what does it mean to be in Him? You'll be a completely new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's, that's evident. That should be evident in our lives. Who you were before as to who you are today in Christ should be obvious, apparent, Right? What it means to be in Christ, well, it's to be a person who trusts and lives for the word of God. In John chapter 15, Jesus spoke very clearly about what it meant to be in him, in Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 1, he said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I, I love this because he spe- isn't he speaking very plainly? There's There's... There's nothing there that is ambiguous, Ambiguous. nothing that is um, like cloudy, you know, like uncertain. You know, it's just very clearly stated, right? It, the Lord desires that we bear fruit. And the way in which we do that is to be in Christ, to produce this fruit. And then he prunes, he prunes us. He, he does certain things to clean up our lives a little bit more, to purify us, to strengthen us. He allows things to happen. Why? So that we bear more fruit. And this blesses and honors him. You will be a completely new person for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what's promised in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You trust and live the word of God according to John through 11 But these people who did believe and were identified as disciples gave Paul cause to question whether they had received the Holy Spirit or not. And I wonder why. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul coming up? I would hate for him to ask as he's come, he comes and he meets with us. And then at some point, you see this look on his face like, Hey, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul, why are you asking that question? Why would you even say that? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. The question is do we reflect the Word or the world? Do we reflect the Word or the world? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I wonder what he saw. What caused them to question whether they had received the Holy Spirit when they believed? Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? That would be an odd thing, right? A, a spring of pure water, it'd be odd for it to produce salt water on the other side, no? No, that which is salty produces salty water. That which is fresh produces fresh. So it'd be odd. We don't know, but I, I wonder if their actions didn't match the character of someone who knew God's grace. You know, having been forgiven of all their sins and were assured of the riches of heaven. You see, the world doesn't understand why someone changes when they become Christians. All my friends did not understand. They had no idea. They're like, something happened to you. Perhaps this is a phase in your life and you'll get through it. And then we'll have the old roll back, right? They just didn't understand. Yes, it's because God has given us a new heart. But really, it's from that, it's because we're so grateful to him for having rescued us from hell and eternal condemnation, having paid for our sins by dying on the cross for you and I, shedding his blood. We just took communion this morning and declared, proclaimed his death until he comes again. He's given us... The hope of heaven, which is undeserved, that's grace. It's because of all of those things, considering all of those things, that we're willing to take the persecution from our friends and family and coworkers and neighbors and anyone else and stand with Jesus Christ and know that we are in him and we are saved. And we proclaim him as Lord and Savior. We are so grateful for his grace that we want to please him because we love him. Not out of duty, but because of what he's already done for us and the salvation that we have come to know in Jesus Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit is to lead you in all truth. To give you understanding of the word. Therefore, your transformation into godly character is a work that is accomplished, accomplished by having the Holy Spirit, knowing the word, and applying it in faith with great understanding. Paul wondered what they had been baptized into. And their reply was into John's baptism. John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance, preparing them for Jesus. And so at this point, it was clear For the Apostle Paul, it was one of those aha moments. Ah, okay. I see the problem here. They had heard about the coming of Jesus Christ from John, but they had not heard that Jesus had indeed come. Interesting, because this was Ephesus. This is in Asia. And this was a place where John's disciples were, and and, and these had been baptized into John's uh, baptism of repentance. Interesting, but that's what they believed. They had not heard that Jesus had indeed come, nor did they know they needed to trust Him and follow Him. Well, what does that look like? They were baptized into Jesus's, or, or they, at that point, Paul baptized them into Jesus. Uh, what is being baptized into Jesus? Number one, uh, as we're baptized in water, it's an it's a an outward expression of an inward reality. It's something that has already occurred, and so when I have no doubt that the Apostle Paul just explained to them, because there's a little bit that's not there in between the time that he asked the question, they responded, and the time where he says that he baptized them into Jesus Christ, right? It's kind of like what we're doing here, explaining the difference between being religious or going through rituals, knowing only in part, And then knowing fully the grace of God through Jesus Christ. As we confess that he is Lord and Savior. That he has indeed come. He's died for our sins. He's paid for our sins in full. He was buried and three days later rose from the grave. Ah, he has done it. And we ourselves are new persons in Christ. And so they were baptized into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Paul laid his hands on them and prayed for them. And the Holy Spirit at that point was evident in their lives. It's interesting the way they responded to the, the baptism and for the Apostle Paul laying hands on them. At that point, when he was laying hands on them, having explained to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, they believed And the Spirit not only filled them, but came upon them. And it says here that when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now, Paul taught on the Holy Spirit in 1 and 2 Corinthians. If you want to learn more about the gifts of the Spirit, then please read up, but we're not going to cover that today. Let me ask you this. Will everyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit speak in tongues and prophesy? No. But is it evident when the Holy Spirit does fill you? Yes. Yes. Is the Holy Spirit clearly seen through you? Is he obvious in your life? David Guzik writes, quote, If someone doesn't seem to know if they have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in their life, it's fair to assume that they don't have it. If you have it, you should know it. There's a moment when you completely surrender to the grace of God through belief in Jesus Christ that the burden of your sins is lifted and you see things differently. You understand whom you belong to and you desire to please Him. You desire the Word, you desire fellowship. You just can't stay away. You desire to lead a life that reflects a life of, of praise and worship, of honor to the Lord. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Give a man an electric shock, and I warrant you, he will know it. Right? But if he has a Holy Ghost, he will know it much more. Close quote. It is so true. You will not question it will be evident in your life the moment you believe and have the Holy Spirit fill you and seal you for the day of redemption. There will be no question in your mind if you are filled with Holy Spirit. And the way Paul led them to know this was by the teaching of the Word of God. Not by emotion, not by experience, not by any of that. It's just by the simple Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing... By the word of Christ, right? It comes by hearing. You hear the truth. You hear the good news. And you respond to the good news. Does something emotional happen? Yes, 100% of the time, no. But you know that salvific experience because it is reflected by the way you live from that point on. By the way, as we think about that, we ought to reflect in our own lives. That was the whole point of really focusing in on all of that. Is for us to really examine our own hearts. Is it evident in our lives that we belong to Jesus Christ? That we are living our lives in a a grateful manner to him by honoring him, blessing him, worshiping him with our lives? It's not anything weird it's just by knowing the word of God and then just applying it to our lives, knowing, getting to know the word of God and applying it to our lives, desiring him. Do you have a desire to read his word, to pray, to spend time with him, to come in fellowship? You have that desire. You should have that desire as Christians. You should have that. Like, I I just, I have to be in the word. I I, I have to seek him. Pray without ceasing, you know. Is, Is that reflected in your life? Just you you seek him, you consider him in everything. But you know all of this by the teaching and preaching of the word of God. That's how you know this. And this is why Paul took his time speaking boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. In the synagogue for three months, he was there. And then at some point, he was rejected. It says here that, uh, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So he went elsewhere. He, he went there. It's thought that he would go every day between 11 and 4 and, and teach and preach there. Uh, but that's extra biblical information. And, uh, and we, we don't know for certain, but that's what's uh, believed that Paul did. And he did that, first in the synagogue for three months. They were unbelieving, and he left and went somewhere else. And then he stayed another two years in Ephesus, teaching and preaching to Jews and Greeks. That's how important the Word of God is. That's how important the Word of God is. By the way, as blessed as we are with our worship team, and it continues to build... That's not the focal point. As blessed as we are with. um, You know other things that we do. uh, Extracurricular things that we do. uh, People organizing those things. That's not what's central to us. These other things. Uh, What is central is the word of God. That should be the foundation upon which. We continue to grow. And build. That is is the very foundation of our faith, of our salvation, of our sanctification, of our consecration. That is the foundation. So, Jesus increases and prevails mightily when you know the Spirit of God, the fear of God, and the salvation of God according to the Word of God. Where the Word is known, Jesus prevails, and where Jesus is known, his Word prevails. Where the Word is not known, Satan prevails. Why? Because of ignorance. And because of ignorance, there's easy deception. If you ever go to a church and this is not open, and it's just uh, some, uh, some topic, maybe a, a current event, that's all that's talked about, but this is not open, oh, be very wary. Okay? Okay? Know that a church that is not built on the word of God can be easily fooled and deceived and taken down a path of destruction. Know the word of God. You all need to be Bereans and test what is spoken and taught from this pulpit. Don't take my word for it. Go home and look it up yourself. Study it. Make sure that what is being taught and preached from this pulpit is sound doctrine is in line with the word of God because where the word is not known Satan prevails because of ignorance and easy deception by the ways also prideful hearts because I can speak the truth until I'm blue in the face up here but if there's walls in this heart that's not penetrating the word of God is not penetrating then you're being deceived by not by the voice of God, but by the voice of Satan, because you're ignoring God's word, and you can be easily deceived. Where ignorance prevails, lies, deceit, manipulation, destruction, confusion, and division is known because truth is not known or believed. You know, Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. I wanted to also read this in the New Living Translation because sometimes we think where there's no vision, the people perish. But what does that mean? When people do not accept divine guidance, according to the New Living Translation, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Have you accepted divine guidance? Have you accepted the word of God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? So how about you? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Is there evidence? Can I ask you something else? Would you like to receive the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Jesus died, was buried, rose from the grave three days later? Did he died for you? Do you believe that? Because if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we shall be saved. We shall be saved. Uh, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We believe on Jesus Christ. We run to him for forgiveness of our sins. We believe that he desires that we not perish in hell, but know forgiveness of our sins. And we repent from our sins and and we run to him, into his arms. How beautiful. It would be if all of us knew that. Have you truly surrendered your life to him? And if you do, then you would deny yourself. You would pick up your cross and follow him daily to his glory. I'm going to close in prayer as we normally do, but I would like for all of us to stand to our feet. This morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is—I pray that this is the day of salvation for you. You simply ask God for forgiveness. And you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Acknowledging that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We confess our sins. If there's, if there's nothing apparent in your life also that you belong to God, if, if there's more of the world in you than the word, if, if there's compromise, then the Lord asks us and he commands us to repent of our sins, to confess them to the Lord. And his word tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we choose from that day onward to live lives that reflect that we truly love the Lord. So I would ask anyone who's living in compromise, I I hope and pray that you would repent of that, that you would come back to the Lord and walk with him. I unfortunately have known the life of a prodigal. I totally rejected the Lord. And, and And I... reaped the consequences of those actions. But there was a point to where I knew 1 John 1, 9 personally. And as I confessed my sins to the Lord and asked him to forgive me, oh, I, I felt almost the embrace of Jesus. I, I knew God's love one more time in his grace. Don't waste another moment. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone, not even this afternoon. So, if you need to get right with the Lord, it's through Jesus Christ. Do it now. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, with grateful hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would all believe, that we would all confess that Jesus has died for our sins on the cross. He shed his blood for each and every one of us. That he not only died, for our sins, paying for them in full. But he was also buried and three days later rose from the grave. We believe that he ascended and today sits at the right hand of the Father. Lord, we confess that he is our Lord and Savior. We ask your forgiveness. Lord, and that you would help us to walk according to the Spirit, according to your truth, the Word, that we may Reflect lives that are truly grateful and love you, Lord, because of that grace that we've been shown. And so, Father, forgive us, have mercy upon us, be graceful toward us, I pray. Lord, help us to walk in a manner worthy of the forgiveness and the salvation that we have come to know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.